and welcome to the Stanley Street Social Podcast. My name is Alex Clements and we're very excited to bring you a new way of presenting our content. We hope to bring you some interviews, some race debriefs and look at some upcoming events throughout the summer and then on to 2018. Last week we got some very exciting news in that we have our first official sponsor of the podcast. So this podcast will be presented by MAP, which is a premium cycling apparel brand based out of Melbourne. MAP have allowed us to get this podcast off the ground by helping us out with some equipment, using their expertise in design and knowledge of the cycling world, while also enabling us to travel around for the summer and hopefully gain a greater insight for our listeners. So thank you very much and we're very excited to be working with them throughout the summer and 2018. My first guest is Adam Phelan. Last week, Adam and myself sat down at the social club. We talked about two points in his career. Adam was with the national under 23 team before progressing to draft pack professional cycling at a pro continental level. Adam then came to a decisive point in his life where based off the criteria he set himself he decided to leave the sport that he loved and pursue another career path i hope you enjoy the podcast please provide any feedback leave a comment and subscribe if you want to hear more welcome philo thanks for having me how's things it's all right it's a bit wet i got lost coming here and overshot the train station but that's all right so let's start off with your last year as an under-23. You were with the national team. You were on the verge of turning professional. Yeah, so it was my last year in under-23s and generally where you sort of feel the pressure that you have to make it to the next level, go to the world tour, especially because for all of us, that was our, our goal. It's sort of what we sat around sort of um, trying to train for every day. But yeah, so I joined um, the AIS national team. How are you going results-wise? I was quite a master of like the top 10, top 15. So not many wins, but I was always sort of thereabouts. That's sort of my whole entire cycling career is <laughs> just running top 20s and top 10s. So I was consistent. Yeah, my problem was I didn't really uh, win enough. How was the pressure and how did it fluctuate throughout the year? Yeah, it, it gets pretty intense experience especially being over in Europe with a group, a whole group of people are all feeling the same pressure, just make it to the next level. Being in that sort of bubble environment, everything seemed a lot more intense than probably was because I remember I was stressing, especially towards the end of the year when I hadn't got a contract yet. I thought, you know, my life was over. But, <laughs> but yeah, looking back on it, it seems a bit silly, but at the time it, it is a bit of everything. Did you have any leads, any... Yeah, so I was, um, with the connection with Orica, I was speaking to them a lot. And it got to the point when I was sort of amongst a group of four or five riders for two or three spots. But yeah, no, I didn't didn't get the spot. I was close again, as I was close in a lot of things. <laughs> I ended up going back to Drapak once they stepped up to the pro Connie levels. How did you find the transition to that next level up from under 23s yeah it was it was different and i was probably lucky because with drapak it wasn't like a straight to europe full program which is probably in hindsight quite good uh, i didn't jump in straight away so i had more time 
back in Australia and did sort of longer trips and we did a lot of US stuff, which I loved, and still in Asia. We sort of had um, bigger races like Tour of Turkey and Tour of California and stuff, but yeah, I think that was an easier transition instead of jumping straight into world tour races in Europe. I think that would have been a big shock. Did you find that coming from a national team and going into an Australian pro comp team, was the environment attitudes very similar? Yeah, that's a good question. Never really thought about it. It, it was different because there was a lot of older people in the team, so it sort of had a different dynamic like that. But yeah, it was good because we still had foreigners, but it was still largely Australian team. So I really enjoyed that. Um, and being in the national team, that's sort of what got me through being away from home and away from Australia for so long as you're with Australians and, you know, you can all talk about what you miss when you're over there. I never realised I loved Vegemite so much until I went to <laughs> Europe, so... You came to that contract time or that transition, that next transition for the team where they were moving to the World Tour or merging with Canada. Yep. Run us through your experience in that year. I was going the best I ever have that year, probably. Similar sort of scenario where I was really consistent, got a lot of sort of top 10 results, but it was a lot bigger races with Tour of Norway and a full Europe program with Giro um, del Trentino and races like that, which were really good to see um, what the level was like. And because I was a lot older then, it wasn't, I felt like I was ready to do that sort of level of racing, but got towards sort of near the end of the year and... I had been looking pretty positive to move across in the merger, but we, we all knew it was going to be tough because it is a different level there and they had limited spots from the guys coming across from Drapak, so we knew it was hard, tough and the team was pretty honest from the start that it was. There's only a certain number of spots and people will miss out. It was just sort of hard for me in the sense that it was quite late by the time I got the news um, and that's just the nature of that I was actually quite quite close to moving, but, you know, decisions need to be made and unfortunately I couldn't move across, which, you know, at the time was pretty pretty upsetting. I really wanted to make that step because it had been a goal of mine for a while and I really enjoyed cycling. Do they tell you that we're taking X amount of spots? No, they didn't have a number. They just said there's merger, not all of you will go. And, that, and they were quite good. There's certain people that didn't fit into what Cannondale needed, even though they might have been riding fantastic, and that they would let them know pretty early. So how do you approach a year where you know your team is going World Tour or merging with a World Tour team? Were you looking in other areas as well? Because I knew it was always going to be hard, I took the tactic of just focusing on racing because it can get quite stressful when you're just worrying about team stuff and that doesn't help racing. But I, I was talking to uh, a number of pro Conny teams pretty early, but I, I try to keep something going in, in the background the whole year. Yeah, it's just a tough environment. How was that last couple of months? I, I thought I was a pretty good chance when I had come back to Australia and then I knew it was going to be touch and go because there was few spots left. I knew there was a few riders um, going for those spots. And once again, I was one of those, but I was in Melbourne at the time. Uh, my girlfriend was here doing cancer research or something impressive like that. And <laughs> I came down just uh, stressing about cycling. So she hated me the whole time. I, I was just stressed the whole time. And 
once I found out, I was in contact with Aqua Blue and I had a few guys like Caleb and Michael put a good word in for me with the team and they were really good. Um, they had a meeting for the final spots. But once again, that year that as most years with cycling, there's a lot of riders on the market that are incredible, a lot of world tour riders too, that all need jobs. And I was one of, of many and they had a meeting. I was put on the table again, but yeah, they got back to me pretty quick and said, we, we discussed you, but sorry, yeah, you didn't get a spot. So, and that happened with a couple other teams that I was talking to. Was it like a, were you trying this emotional roller coaster? Yeah, it was, it was mostly just stress, to be, to be honest. He's like, the time. oh, this tank of work, and then, uh, nah, close that door. And back yeah, and you couldn't couldn't help but sort of once it looked possible with a team to sort of imagine, you know, what it would be like. And it, because different teams, obviously, it even meant I'd live different places. At the time, actually, I had, because I'd planned on ke- keeping racing and to get ahead of the game because I had been live, living in Drona. Uh, at the time with uh, Dan Jones and Danny Clark who's Simon Clark's brother and Swanier at the time he'll hate me saying <laughs> that he's Simon Clark's brother he's his, he's, he's his own man he's the DC he is he was our Swanee in the national team and he, he was awesome I want to do a podcast with DC yeah you should yeah. you should he's a legend anyway so I was living with them and they were both moving back to Australia I had sorted an, an apartment and I uh, Alex Edmondson was in in town at the time so I convinced him to go on, go on the lease over there and move in with me the next year <laughs> and so he went on the lease because I was like oh, I'm pretty sure I'm coming back just come live with me so he went on the lease but yeah I ended up never going back so <laughs> I stitched him up a bit. What was your criteria for riding again the next year? I sort of made out in my head it was a make or break year for me so going into it I wanted to either progress to the world tour team or at least stay at the pro conti level in in my mind I had a plan of sort of age I was I was 25 and I wanted to keep at that level I didn't want to go back because there's other things I wanted to do in life and if it wasn't if I didn't think it was worth it I was just going to stop and I just made that decision and it was still hard once uh, I found out I couldn't be at the level I wanted to be because I knew I could have kept going with a shot of going back up. But yeah, I just decided I have a lot of other interests that would be harder to do later in life if I don't knuckle in now. And yeah, it just ended up being a good decision in my, in my mind. But at the time it was quite hard and I went up and down emotionally about it as well. So at the time it was pro Conti at least. Yeah, yeah, that's sort of the cutoff that was a cut I had. To you. Yeah, even I don't I don't know why I made that thing just in my head. I well, it was so a case of I'm well, not going backwards. Yeah, you were, and I I always every year since I left school, I wanted to make sure I was improving every year, getting better races and going better, and that had happened till that point, and then I would have had to go back, and I just didn't want to go through that again. I just wanted to try other stuff in life and yeah I remember actually when I found out the last team I was talking to because we were in on holiday down the Great Ocean Road and we had Airbnb and it was like 1am because it was Europe time and because I was nervous I was up and my girlfriend was sleeping and I just read message just they were like oh sorry we 
he didn't get the spot. And, yeah, at that point, I was pretty low. Mm. Like, at the time, in my head, I was like, okay, I'm going to stop. If But once I found out, I was pretty upset about it. And, uh, yeah, Georgia woke up and I was just... Just saying, oh, don't look at me. But no, that's all right. That's all right. We've, I built a bridge and I got over it. But it was, a, it was a real manly moment of just like, what are you doing? Nothing. We've moved on. Was there, is there a point where it was like, all right, that's it. I'm going to retire. I'm done. Literally the next morning. The next morning. Yeah, it was pretty quick. I think because in my head I had made that decision up. It was harder to come to terms with it. And I sort of convinced myself. I'm like, oh, I think I will. But I knew then. It was also hard. You know, I had a girlfriend back in Australia. And if it if I didn't think it, I had was at the same level or more, I questioned whether it would be able to manage being away as much. That was quite hard. The year I was in Europe for most of the year as well. So, yeah, I just made made that decision and because I was planning on racing, I just told myself I wanted to finish on my terms. So I decided I would finish up at the Nationals the next January, which I sort of regretted because I had to keep riding. And <laughs> I was trying to sort out real life and I realised it's quite hard to ride when you do that. So, How was that kind of week after it? Was it a uh, like a still on a low from not being able to do the sport or was it I'm ready to go? Probably a bit down, but I just started panicking and being like, oh, well, I need to get going on that. I wanted to be ahead in that area and be ready to tackle stuff. And I had been going through a lot and it probably, I probably didn't really know that I was 100% going to stop and everything until Jason Backer, well, actually you got in contact with Jason Backer, who's from Signature Sport who managed Cadell Evans and Caleb Ewan, who we met in Europe for one race that he came to. And he had been keeping in contact with me um, for a few years. And he wanted to have a meeting with me. And because I think he found out I had told you that I was probably going to stop racing. And yeah, so I'm, I met with him and he sort of said he wanted to have a bit more social media presence and have uh, some more creative element to his business and he, he thought I'd have a role in that and that was the first time I'm like oh shit like <laughs> I might actually have a possibility to get started pretty quickly and no he was he was really good to talk to he sort of talked to me about that he thought I could off the world a lot more and that I could keep cycling and I'd probably be quite good but he said you know, it's also pretty tough, especially if you're not able to make those top levels where it's quite good um, money. Because I never earned great money cycling. I mean, I st- <clears throat> still wouldn't change anything, but it does get to a point where you're getting a bit older and you want to have a bit more financial security as well. So mm. that was the realisation that, okay, maybe I can do something else as well. What do you do? You've stopped, you've stopped the sport you did for how many years? Forever. Forever. <laughs> I uh, started BMX when I was three, racing. Yeah, so you've done it since <laughs> three. What do you do? I can't actually really remember. Well, because I knew I'd been doing writing through uh, cycling tips and doing videos with them and also writing for a few magazines. So I knew I enjoyed that and I enjoyed the creative side of that. And I had been learning while I was in Europe just because I enjoyed enjoyed that sort of stuff and I in the back of my mind I always wanted to start my own freelance business 
And then after Jason approached me that he was thinking he might need some work in that area, I thought, well, it's probably pretty good, <laughs> pretty good uh, time to start because I, I can get stuck in um, pretty much straight away. And I sort of owe a lot to Jason in that way because it made it a lot easier, at least personally, because I think it's pretty important. You need, if you have something to jump into straight away, it just makes it, makes it a bit easier in the transition because it's I went through different waves close to when I quit but yeah mm. New Gravity Media was born yeah <laughs> don't know where I got the name from it I think I saw <laughs> Gravity and I was like oh that's cool <laughs> and then and then I was just like oh surely that's taken which it was and then I just had other words I put in front of phages until I got that <laughs> And I just ran with it because I needed something. So, so what does new Gra- or what does Adam do now, and what does New Gravity Media do? Social media sort of marketing and content is the main area of it. I did a diploma in digital marketing while I was writing because I had stopped my commerce studies at uni a few years ago to focus on cycling, and that sort of fueled my interest more and I had been working with a few of the communication managers in the teams that I had been through the years just to sort of get experience that way as well. Also in 2015, 16, maybe it was 2017, no it was 16, I, um, I talked to Dan, Dan Wilkins and the V2 uh, crew there that they were, they were doing work with Drapak. And I knew, so they were doing work that I was really interested in. So I, I asked Dan if he could give me some stuff while we were at races. They wanted me to capture everything because they couldn't come to a lot of the races. And so that gave me even more experience in terms of just having more structure to it. They'd send me sort of, sort of content to capture for them and I'd send it through. So in my time writing, just doing little things that sort of kept my interests going and got me some sort of real life experience as well. So I had something when I stopped. So do you deem your, your exit to the sport as a success? As much as it can be. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I, I'm really happy. I know a lot of people who had stopped the sport, even from my hometown and it's not, it's just not an easy experience because it's, it is your whole identity when you do it. Cause it's such an encompass, all encompassing experience being a professional athlete generally but I've I mean I think every athlete that does a particular sport they think their sport's probably the most intense but I think something about cycling and having to move your whole life to Europe to try and make it it does become everything and you're known as a cyclist it is everything you do and for that to change it it is hard and initially like it's just hard mentally to deal with but I sort of just took the tactic of just moving quick and just jumping into something that I knew I had some interest in and sort of see how it goes and no I'm really happy now so if you were to advise a 16 year old cyclist on how to not kind of cater for when they Mm. stop but how would you how would you advise them to be able to make the same transition that you did yeah I think because people sort of get a bit not confused, but they think if you're thinking about other things other than your sport or you're getting ready for retirement, it's not that. I just think you should have, try and build up interests outside of the sport. And that can be anything. It can be reading the news, it can be anything, because 
sport is such a narrow focused thing that it is hard to sort of broaden your horizons but you'll find out the world is a big place it gives it sport a bit of context because it can seem like everything but if you grow your interests you even talk to other people that do different things that have real jobs that what I found when I stopped there was a lot of people that wanted help as well there's a lot of people that offered me either opportunities or just help to chat to so I think there's a lot of people who want to help so if you start that earlier and say look I'm probably not going to stop stop my sport for a while but I was just wondering like about what you do and how, how you go about it and sort of find out what other things you enjoy because sport won't be there forever even for the top guys anything can happen and just to make the transition easier because it's not an easy thing so if you can just make that easy easier for yourself so you don't go sort of into a dark place after I think I think that's probably the most important thing and you don't necessarily have to go to uni or do a course but just I think gaining that interest outside of your sport is pretty important that was a very good answer um (laughs) it wasn't even prepared I'm just going off my my brain right right what's next for Adam Phelan and new gravity gravity media any like big announcements would be good right now exclusives well I don't I don't know if it's exclusive I've started doing uh work with the Cadell Evans Great Ocean Road Race covering all their social media and email and web um working with a team with Signature Sport with that so that's really exciting it's challenging especially because I'm trying to finish a degree as well so that's that's been an interesting juggle but I've quickly realized that life as a cyclist wasn't busy and I was <laughs> terrible. When I when I first started doing real work, I realized how time inefficient I was and how unproductive I was. Yep. Um, so that, that was probably the hardest thing is learning how to get stuff done quickly and efficiently and, yeah, just sitting down, getting work done. Um, it took about, about a year. I think I'm in a good spot now, but... Yeah, no, I'm pretty excited to be working in cycling as well, but also removed from it still as well. But yeah, so that's what's happening at the moment for me. I feel like you need to have a podcast for me. Well, I was just going to sing a jingle, but I'm glad I didn't. Yeah, don't do that. Because that would have been embarrassing. Um, well, thanks for listening to the podcast. Alex Clements is doing pretty well in his own transition, so follow Stanley Street Social with um, Campbell Flankball. Because it's actually awesome to see uh, honest and sort of no bullshit insight about cycling. So get around it. Thanks, Philo. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. A massive thank you to Matt for supporting us throughout this podcast series. And if you liked it, please hit subscribe and leave a comment below. We hope to bring you some more interviews before the summer of Australian racing kicks off. And then we'll move into some more race-specific topics. Thanks.